mercy and peace to you from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. The Psalms say, come and sing and give your praise to the Lord. And so we've gathered in the name of the triune God to praise him this day. Let us pray. Eternal God, your only Son was taken up into heaven that he might bring together heaven and earth and bestow the spirit of truth upon your church. Make us joyful in his ascension so that we might worship him in his glory. And come, be present with us now by the power of your Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first hymn is number 295, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Since we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith and make our confession of sin to our Heavenly Father. Let us pray together the prayer printed in the bulletin. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, 
who revives your people into such wonderful communion that being united to your Son by faith, they should dwell in him and he in them. We who have sinned against you, approaching your presence and beholding your glory, repent of our transgressions. We have sinned, we have grievously sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have dishonored your holy name. Most merciful Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ, forgive us all our sins, deliver us by your Holy Spirit from all uncleanness, enable us freely to forgive others as we pray that you will forgive us and to serve you from this day forward in newness of life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Please stand for the assurance of pardon. Jesus Christ came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. By his death, our sin is forgiven. By his resurrection, we are raised into the new life of God. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I declare to you that all those who have faith in him and repent of their sin are truly forgiven of all their sins. And this is the good news of the gospel. We say together, praise be to God. Beloved children of God, our Lord knows that troubles will arise within the church, and so he taught his disciples, saying, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. uh, The apostles also said and taught to the church, Put on compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience, forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Disputes and divisions, dissensions do occur in the church. We are blessed at this time to be at at peace and to have um, a history, for the most part, of peace in this church. But it's not always that way, and there are plenty of other churches that have had difficulties and are experiencing difficulties right now. So we always must come back to what our Lord taught us in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, where he talked about uh, if one person has a grievance against another, to go to that person um, and, and keep it at first just between the two of you to see if it can be reconciled and there can be forgiveness and reconciliation. But sometimes it, doesn't, it, it can't be resolved that way, and then the person who has been offended can go to the session, the elders of the church, and ask them to get involved, and um, if the first step has been done, then that can, be, that can be pursued, and hopefully that will bring an end to the troubles. There can be uh, forgiveness, repentance, and reconciliation, um, but sometimes those things don't even get worked out, and sometimes people take off, unfortunately, from the church before there is resolution and reconciliation, and that's always unfortunate to see. It's unfortunate not just because the two people who have the problem can't work it out, uh, at least at, at the moment, but it's also unfortunate that we can't see maturity and growth and uh, the, the uh, fruits of forgiveness happen in the church. Um, that's important to see, but it doesn't happen if we don't stick around. So it's good to hear these things and to remember, as uh, a member in the presbytery, the presbytery is going through its own issues right now with uh, one or two churches and so we are praying for them, but it's this very thing that, that needs to be happening um, with all the churches. Christian teaching handed down to us is always taught that there is to be uh, the work of 
forgiveness and reconciliation in the church. But we shouldn't be dismayed by the troubles and failures that come around. Um, After all, as we have said many, many times here, following Augustine's teaching, church is a convalescent home, a place of healing from sin. So you find sinners in the church, and they often have to work through those troubles that they have uh, with each other. And as we do that, as we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ in our relationships in the church, God is at work, and over time, maybe sometimes long time, he does uh, bring healing and restoration in the church. We are to pursue that, and that grace and forgiveness that God has given us, we are to show to each other, because we don't want to make our rights and our way number one. We want Christ's way and his um, the, the grace that he has given to us, we want that to be what dominates in the church and what is most important, not us trying to force things the way we want them to go. So every one of us must listen to the Lord's call to bear one another's sin, to seek forgiveness, reconciliation, whenever that opportunity or that need arises. This is God's will for us in Jesus Christ, and let us say, Amen. Our hymn is number 289, A Hymn of Glory, Let Us Sing.
Let us bring our prayers together. Our Lord has ascended to the right hand of the Father. There he intercedes for us, and our prayers are joined with his by the Holy Spirit. Let us pray together for the needs in this world. Almighty and merciful Father, by your mercy in Jesus Christ, we have been born anew to a living hope, a true, certain hope. As once you brought your people through the Red Sea waters, so from the waters of death you raise us to life with Christ. Once we were no people, and now we are your people. Once we were children of wrath, now we are your adopted sons and daughters. And as Christ ascended to your right hand, may our prayers ascend to you in his name. Fill up the whole church with your power and unity and peace and true faith in Christ. Grant that all who trust you may obey your word and live together in faith and love. May the churches in this city bear witness to the one who rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is present with us, even Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we ask that you would hear our prayers for churches, whether they be in, in uh, desperate shape or are being faithful in following Christ. We pray for them, for different traditions, different churches, Baptist, Methodist, Independent, non-denominational, Orthodox churches, Roman Catholic, Lutheran. We pray for Redeemer, PCA, and Midtown Detroit. And for all of these, we pray that it would be a unity of faith and witness to Jesus Christ and that the confusion that exists in, in our society because churches are not obeying Christ and going different ways, the confusion that that brings, we pray you would uh, put an end to it. Hear our prayers for the churches, O Lord. O ruler of the nations, guide us in the way of justice and truth. Increase order and peace and righteousness in the societies of this world. May we always defend and come to the aid of oppressed people. Stop the shootings in our cities with policies that promote the good of society. Here are our prayers that you guide and direct those who govern in this world. And in some cases, we pray you would remove them, for they are wicked. To the end that there is just government and peace for the societies uh, where they rule. We do pray for Emmanuel Macron, for Vladimir Putin, Andres Lopez Obrador in Mexico, Joe Biden, Ibrahim Raisi in Iran, Xi Jinping of China, and for the end of the war in Ukraine. Here are prayers for the nations and those who rule over them. We beseech you for the mission of the church that in faithful witness to Jesus Christ, your people may proclaim the gospel to every nation. Here are our prayers for Benjamin Hopp and his family in Haiti and Octavius Delphils, who also serves in Haiti, and Ben Westerveld and his family in Quebec. Bless the pastors and churches of the Presbytery of Michigan with humility, hope, love, and faithful teaching. Here are our prayers for Lap Duong in the Vietnamese church in Grand Rapids and also for Stephen Pribble and Grace OPC in Lansing. For our missionaries and for our presbytery, hear our prayers. (laughs) 
O Father, give to this congregation your grace for its life together, its vocation to be witnesses to Christ in this world, in whatever calling they have, and for its worship. Fill our hearts with your self-giving love so that our voices may speak your praise, and we may grow up in every way into him who is the head of the church, Jesus Christ. Give us, O Lord, the bread of life, that we may remain your people and faithfully serve you in the mission that Jesus gives us. Hear our prayers for those in need in our congregation and among our friends. We do pray for Michael and Frida, for Julie, for Eduardo, for Jeff and Fawn, for Tammy and her family, for Becky and Angie, Phil, Tom, Karen, Bob, Dominique, and others we name to you in silence. May the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, which which sets us free from sin and gives us new life, be heard with faith. And may these for whom we pray be strengthened in their weakness and have confidence in your grace and the goodness that you lavish upon us. Finally, we do pray that you would encourage us and send us out into the world to proclaim Christ's victory over sin, to work in our cities for peace among people, for justice for the weak and innocent, for a society in which people are not exploited in the name of personal freedom. May we help people who are languishing and teach a greater knowledge of your ways and your will, always bearing witness to Jesus Christ. Into your hands, Heavenly Father, we commit our prayers, trusting in your mercy revealed in Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us present our gifts and offerings to the Lord.
And uh, we come now to our prayer for illumination as we prepare to hear God's word read and preached. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, um, we are grateful that you have uh, spoken to us with your word. Your word, uh, which is a word of life, not a heavy burden. These are words of life um, to nurture us, to guide us, protect us, and to lead to our flourishing. Um, We're grateful for the life and freedom to which you call us. Help us... um, to be nourished by the word this morning, by the power of your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Our reading begins in the book of Acts. First 11 verses of chapter 1. Hear now the word of God. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And our Psalter response is printed in the bulletin from Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord the Most High is to be feared. A great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us. And nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us. The pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. 
Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. Excuse me. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises to the God reigns over the nations. God on the princes of the peoples gather. As the people of God For the shields of the earth belong to God. Our epistle reading is from Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Finally, our gospel reading. The Gospel of Luke. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. The word of the Lord. Listen again to the verses in Acts chapter 1 that we heard. And when he had said these things, Jesus had said these things, and as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? 
This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There can be many, many sermons, and I have preached many sermons on the ascension of Jesus Christ. But this one, and I I put uh, one title in there. Titles are always tricky for sermons, but I think I would change the title and call it Coming Home. Now this week, on Tuesday, so Tuesday of this week, is National Missing Children Day. And now more than ever, it's a very poignant crisis. It's hard to pin down the problem, partly because of a lack of definition, but it's a worldwide problem. What qualifies for someone who's missing? How old do they have to be? That sort of thing. By far, one of the countries with the biggest problem with missing children is the United States, our own country, our own nation. Each year, over over 460,000 children are reported missing in the United States. And these are different kinds of missing cases, runaways, abductions, or just plain lost. Some story, uh, stores, like Walmart and other stores, actually post pictures of missing children at their entrance, hoping to make some identification. If, they can, if there can be an identification, then uh, maybe the child can be uh, restored to their parents. I often find myself glancing over at the wall. Do you do that? Go over and look just for a moment. Look at that wall where the photos are. And sometimes I stare at those pictures, the pictures of their faces. They have terse descriptions are given at the bottom of each photo. Such and such a person, blue eyes, this tall, last seen in some city. Many of them are runaways, but not all. And in some cases, there's no explicable reason why the child ran away, why the child's gone. It just doesn't make sense. They're just gone. Occasionally, an amber alert goes off. We get a message on our phone, and we know that another one, another child, is, has disappeared. Every so often in the news, the parents of a lost child are shown appealing to the public to help find their child, and their faces are twisted in agony. They're exhausted from crying for days, sometimes weeks, They're haggard from continuous 24-hour searches, and they're just uh, pleading, pleading. If you have seen my daughter, please call. If you know anything about where she is, give the information to the police. And I can't imagine the heart-wrenching pain that they feel. I've been lost for a few hours myself. I actually was involved in a search for a kid who got lost on a backpacking trip that I led for 24 hours. So I've, I've been on that side of it but I've not been a parent who's lost a child. Perhaps you know of a parent whose child was lost and the anguish they experienced. So my heart goes out to them, and I say a prayer for them. Please, O oh God, help them find their child. Then along comes that wonderful story, and it doesn't happen enough, but it tells, the story tells of parents who find their child. The agony turns to joy. The anxiety becomes relief. And huddled together before the cameras, they effusively thank the police and volunteers who spent days searching for their child. They thank the media for getting the word out. They thank the nation for listening to them and for caring. And sometimes, every once in a while, they thank God. They cannot stop saying thank you. There was a story like this um, just this month in our own state. Up in the UP, an eight-year-old boy went missing during a family camping trip in Michigan. He was found safe. I can't say his name, Nante Niemi, but he disappeared while walking back to his family's campsite at Porcupine Mountains Wilderness State Park, and that was on Saturday, May 6th. 
It spurred a huge, large-scale manhunt. Uh, you know, authorities came in from Michigan and Wisconsin, began looking for him, and after two days, he was found to return to his parents. And there are also stories of people who were gone from their homes for years, not just two days. Such was the story of a woman in Texas who was abducted when she was a baby, just a baby. Actually, her babysitter abducted her. That was in Fort Worth in 1971. She was found a 1,000 miles away in South Carolina just a couple years ago. Her name's Melissa Highsmith, 51 years old. They found her. They did a DNA test, and somehow it pinged, and, and they found her. And she was re- reunited with her mother and father and her siblings at the family's church in Fort Worth. She came home. Now, it might seem strange to bring all this up in our worship since it's not part of the church calendar. National Missing Children's Day is not part of the church calendar. As a matter of fact, today is Ascension Sunday. It's not that we don't care about national days like this one, but in Christian worship, we celebrate another homecoming, and that's a, <clears throat> a homecoming with God. Now, in our scripture readings today, we hear of God on the move. What we do not hear is God sitting around with us over coffee, just kind of kicked back, relaxed in his chair, you know, just talking about what's going on, how are you doing. Not that God doesn't care about how you're doing, but he is on the move. He's not sitting there talking about what's going on in the world and all the troubles and all that, and just this quiet little passive conversation. No, God is moving. He's always moving, and he's moving particularly in terms of his grace in Jesus Christ. And the scripture readings all relate, they, you've probably noticed they're tied together, they all relate to the ascension of Jesus Christ, our readings this morning. His going up to God. Even Psalm 47 is traditionally used when the church celebrates Jesus' ascension. It's the congregational response to that first reading. The first reading was from Acts about Jesus' ascension. Acts 1, verse 9 says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And in our response, see, there's a dialogue going on. There's a responsiveness in worship. So our response to hearing that is Psalm 47. It puts the words into our mouth, and it has these lines in it. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises for God's the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. Of course, we have sung some hymns. We'll sing some more. But we're singing praise to God who has gone up to the Lord, who has gone up to, uh, into the, to the very right hand of the Father. The story in the book of Acts says he was lifted up. In Ephesians, our text from Ephesians says he was raised up from the dead and made to sit at the right hand of God the Father in authority and power. And then the gospel lesson from Luke said he was carried up into heaven. Jesus' movement is what we're hearing in these texts. He's lifted up on the cross. He's raised from the dead. He's ascended up to God. It's like a big swing arcing upward from the ground. Except the swing of God's movement doesn't start here where gravity kind of holds it down in a a standstill position. It doesn't start there. God's movement doesn't start in this world. It starts with God, above us, beyond us, over us. This whole movement starts with God, swings down, 
to earth and swings back up to God. The upward movement of God in the ascension of Jesus Christ assumes that he first came downward to us. And this, of course, we've already celebrated in the life of the church with Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, the incarnation of the eternal Son of God, God with us, as the Gospel of Matthew says. The eternal Son of God took to himself our humanity. He assumed our fleshly existence. He became a man. And without a break in the action of the Son of God swinging down to earth in the incarnation, without a break in the action, he grew up, he began his ministry in Galilee, and he traveled about with his disciples, healing the sick, casting out the demons, feeding the hungry, rebuking the Jewish leaders, basically revealing the salvation of God for this world. And all along this movement, this constant movement of the Son of God, Jesus was on a journey to the cross where he would give himself for our our sin. Lifted up from the earth, bearing the judgment and cost of our sin. He was crucified, he was raised, and he went about revealing himself to his disciples after his resurrection. Forty days later, he went up to God. And this is where Luke's gospel ends. He commissioned his disciples to be his witnesses, and then Jesus walked with them outside of Jerusalem. He turned and blessed them, and while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Did you hear the words goodbye in that? No, they're not there. We don't hear a goodbye. There's nothing in the text that mentions a farewell, best wishes, see you later, I'm out of here. There's none of that. Jesus Christ went up to God for us. He assumed our humanity, he joined us with himself, and in his movement, coming down to us, he brings us back to God. By joining himself with us, taking us to him, he swings back up to God for us. The ascension of Jesus Christ is the movement of God bringing us back to himself. God comes after us in Jesus Christ. We ran away from him. We were missing, you might say, and God came after us. Breaking into his creation through the boundary of heaven and earth into our space and time, he rends, tears the heavens and comes down, pushing his way into the wasteland of sin, leveling the mountains and raising up the valleys, shining his light in the darkness, calling out with his resounding word in the confusing clatter of this world. And he finds us, and takes us to himself in Jesus Christ. He picks us up, wretched and torn in our sin. He washes the dirt from us, heals our broken lives, feeds us with his own hand, refreshes our parched souls, joins us together in his community of blessing and grace, teaches us how to live as his people, and he comforts us with his word. Your sins are forgiven. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are my beloved children. To you I give the Holy Spirit. God has come after us in Christ and he's brought us back to himself. We are not lost anymore in our sin. In Christ we are reconciled to God. Christ has gone up to God for us. God and man forever joined together in Christ, in grace and love and peace. We are bound to God in Christ with a bond that cannot be broken. God moves towards us in Christ, and now today we celebrate and give praise to God that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has ascended back to the Father. 
Now, when you've been absent from home, and I'm not just talking about a couple days, if you've been lost or just went away for some time, when you've been absent from home for years, or let's just say for a lifetime, like Melissa Highsmith, and then you were brought home, you have to learn what life is like in your home, your new home. We Christians have a new home with God. So here are some things to know about living at home with God. First of all, we know God. Now, the world around us is, has grown very thin in its knowledge of God, if, if not just outright denying God. Talking to people about God who were lost from him outside the church is very often usually a conversation of vagueness or just sheer frustration because they don't know what they're talking about. It's like, what, are you, what is this God you're talking about? It's just a figment of your own imagination. You've made up someone and projected it. Um, but oftentimes, it's just simply vague. I've heard people interested in spirituality. There is a lot of interest in spirituality in our society. But they tell me that God is some kind of influencer, to use a more common word. A world influencer. He influences things. How? Well, and then it gets fuzzy. Often, I'm told that God is hidden, distant, remote. So, yeah, there's a God. He's just absent. Or that he is the numinous presence that is sensed in this world. That's something that philosophers come up with. Numinous presence. Okay, what is that? He's divine being. Okay, but, yeah, give me more. So reconciled to God in Christ, we Christians have a robust knowledge of God. Not a vague knowledge of God, a robust knowledge. We don't just believe in God. We confess that we know God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The church's creeds that we confess, like the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed, are a mouthful. We, we say a lot in those, right? You, we just run through those clauses, and there's a lot in there. It's packed. Have you ever wondered if we could just shorten them a bit? You know, just maybe make them a little more concise? Because we say them every week, so why not just kind of boil it down? Drop a line here and there, especially since some of the phrases might be a bit confusing. But when we confess our faith, you see, we're saying what we know. Not just what we believe, but this is what we know about God. And reconciled to God, we know much more than there's just simply a God. We believe in God, period. No, we're not saying that. We're saying, yes, we believe in God. We believe in him. We believe in God, the creator of all things, and in Jesus Christ, begotten of his Father before all worlds, truly God, who came down from heaven for us and for our salvation, and the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. We're saying a lot more that we know. Every time we confess our faith, we're declaring who God is and what he's done for us. We know this God who has revealed himself to us and for us in Christ. We know what he's done for us in Christ. And we know he has come after us and brought us back to himself in Christ. You see, when you come into the house of God, into his, when you're at home with God, then you're going to talk about God as the one you know, because you live in the house with him. Secondly, at home with God in Christ, we're at peace with God. God is not our enemy. Christ brings us home to God, and we're, we are received with wide open arms, like that father in Jesus' story, the prodigal son. Claimed by God, pardoned of our sin, made holy, adopted into the family of his people. These are the words the scripture uses to tell us about being at peace with God. 
Hearing the gospel and believing in Jesus Christ, when we come to worship, we don't cower. I saw none of you run and hide, you know, just push off into the corners or walk in like trembling because you were afraid that God was going to smash you when you came into this room. We don't run into the corners. We're not afraid that we're going to be crushed by God or destroyed by God. And it's not because God doesn't judge sin. Every time I read through scripture, it's very clear God judges sin. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't ignore disobedience. He judges it. And the Bible amply testifies to God's judgment of this world and our sin. But we gather in joy and thanksgiving to praise God because he's come after us in Christ, overcoming our sin and bringing us back to himself into his home. God is not some arbitrary power that we must appease. We don't have to wake up and wonder, what do I have to do today to make God happy? Wondering how we can keep him from beating us up. Christ has gone up to God, and we're at peace with God in his house. I remember hearing a story of of a household that was not at peace, a husband and a wife that... um, They stayed married, but they hated each other, and they literally drew a line down the middle of the house. This is your side, this is my side, and they just raged at each other. That's a household not with peace. That's a home with no peace. And the children from that were severely affected. But we don't live in such a house with God. At home with God, we're at peace because he has reconciled us to himself and he's, he's uh, healed us, forgiven us of our sin. Thirdly, at home with God, he loves us and we love him. There's love. There's charity at home with God. In our world, love has been so twisted by our sin and by our selfishness that it's equated with intense feelings and pleasure. That's what love is today. God's love is that full, abiding, and eternal communion of love that's given and received and shared. I love, as you know, I love that uh, way of describing Um, God's love that that Augustine gave. It's the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Scripture, we read that God gives his love to us even though we sin. To Israel, he said, To the Lord your God belong heaven, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love upon your fathers and chose their descendants after them. Now this is Israel that hears these words. Israel that has this long history of disobedience, of not trusting God, of wanting to turn back and go to Egypt and all of that, and yet God is saying, I've put my love upon you and your fathers. And then we hear in the scripture, for God so loved the world, and then we hear nothing can separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ. Jesus has brought us into the love of God. And now God's love has been poured into our hearts, and our love answers his love. Love for God didn't start with us. It started with him loving us first. In Christ, God loves us and we love him. We want to serve him and obey him. And when we don't, we're filled with remorse because we've disobeyed him. With love for Christ, we listen to scripture. We order our lives according to God's word. And we worship him each Lord's Day in obedient thanksgiving because God loves us and we love him. There's love going on in our worship. We love our neighbors. It doesn't just stay here. We love our neighbors because God first loved us. We don't want to lie and cheat and act immorally. Rather, we want to live graciously because we've been reconciled to God in love. And finally, at home with God, we look to the future in confident hope. God has not abandoned us, 
in the wilderness of sin and a broken world. As the angel says in the Acts story of Jesus' ascension, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There's hope in those words. This rebellious, sinful world has a future. Made new, complete, healed, made whole, all wickedness and sin removed, restored. And when Christ returns, that will be made complete. Being brought home to God, we have a wonderful new life full of personal knowledge of God, of peace, charity, promise, and redemption. That's what it's like to live at home with God. Now, God is on the move in Christ, and the disciples were standing there. They were immobile. If I could paint, if I was an artist, I'd love to paint that. You know, there's a cloud going up, a cloud of glory. Jesus is, is up there in the cloud, and the disciples just standing there. You know, their mouths open. I, I, I'd love to paint that. Because it, it really, as we listen to the story, it's an absurd position. They're staring into heaven. As followers of Christ, we cannot be immobile. So the angels ask the disciples why they're staring, standing there. And it wasn't just a question of, like, what, what's going on here? It was to prod them into action. They must go back to Jerusalem. Jesus had told them to go to Jerusalem. The promised Holy Spirit was about to be poured out upon them. The church's ministry needed to be reformed. They must be Christ's witnesses to the end of the earth, and the new life of coming home to God had to be proclaimed to the world. There's, There's a whole lot of movement going on there. The ascension of Christ gives movement to each of us Christians and to the whole church. Jesus often compared his disciples to plants and trees and vines, living plants, living trees, living vines, growing, not stuck in place, but moving. We are growing in our faith. We're growing in our knowledge and love of God. There have been many times I've sat down and talked with wizened, gray-haired, older Christians about their life following Christ. It's wonderful to hear their stories. And they let me know in, in what they say that as, as far as I think I may have come or as far as they think they have come and they might be 90 years old, the movement in Christ has never stopped. It doesn't stop even as you get older. You know, we might retire, whatever we do. It doesn't stop. It can't stop. Our theology, listening to God's word, our love for others, repenting of sin, is not finished yet. And so in Christ, your faith and love of God moves. It moves. It cannot sit still. And the church continues to be on the move in the world. In the midst of the world's confusion, here we are praising God that Jesus Christ has ascended up to God. In a world that is severely lost, but acts like it's not. It's it's like uh, finding someone wandering around in the forest and saying, oh, are you lost? Oh, no, I know exactly where I am. And they wander off into the brush, and you know they're lost, but they don't want to admit it. That's our world, horribly lost. And in the confusion of the world that does not know which way is up and which way is down, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, in a world all turned around, we tell everyone that Christ brings us back to God, that through Christ... We are brought home. And when we're home, all that confusion begins to clear up. We show the world our new home with God in Christ with our faith and hope and love on the move for Christ. That home where we've been brought 
isn't just to, to be something that we enjoy in the home, in-house, you might say. It's, it's to be shown to the world that this is what life is like at home with God. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that as we believe your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who have ascended into heaven, as we confess that, so in him may we ascend and be your faithful witnesses to our reconciliation with you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. Now then, let us confess our faith with that mouthful in the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, And we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our hymn as we come to the Lord's table is number 302, Come Christians Join to Sing.
When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, of his creation, he entered once for all into the holy place, the very presence of God, taking not the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood, thus securing our eternal redemption. Here is the promise of God for us that comes through Christ. Scripture also says you were ransomed, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish and spot. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. We do receive Christ as he makes himself known to us in scripture, sermon, and sacrament. Having again heard the voice of Christ in scripture and sermon, let us now come to his table and receive his gifts. All who have been baptized, who have professed faith publicly in Jesus Christ, and our communicant members who belong to a Christian church, are welcome to come and share in this joyful feast of our Lord. That is not the case for you. We're glad you're here. But you should stay back until such time that you're visibly united with Christ's people in those three ways. Profession of faith, uh, baptism, and being um, belonging to a Christian church. Join with me in giving thanks to God for his salvation and new life for us in Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is indeed right, and it is good, and it is a blessing and a great joy, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, who is the King of glory. We are your creatures, but we did turn away from you, denying that you are our Lord. However, we praise you that Jesus Christ, born of a woman, came to our rescue. Dying for us, he trampled death and conquered sin. By the glory of his resurrection, he opened the way to life eternal. By his ascension, he gave us the sure hope that where he is, we may also be. And therefore, the whole universe resounds with joy, and the whole host of heaven sing your praise forevermore. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. And now we give thanks that Christ is crowned with glory and honor, exalted, a prince and savior at your right hand, where he has gone to prepare a place for us, that we may ascend to where he is and reign with him in glory. Lord, by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. You are the savior of the world. With your Holy Spirit, bless us and bless these gifts, these um, these elements set before us, the bread and the cup, that the bread which we break may be for us a communion in the body of Christ, and the cup of blessing which we bless a communion in the blood of Christ, that we, receiving them by faith, may be partakers of his body and blood, with all his benefits, to nourish us and help us to grow in grace to the glory of your most holy name. And here we do offer and present to you our very selves to be a living sacrifice dedicated and fit for your acceptance. And we know that we can never bring anything of our own to you, but through Christ we make this offering and pray that you would receive 
what we give, and that we would be able to live our lives for you in this world. This we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. We give our thanksgiving, and together we say, Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me.
Let us pray. God, our Father, you have raised our humanity in Christ and have fed us with the bread of heaven. Mercifully grant that nourished with such spiritual blessings, we may set our hearts in the heavenly places and be faithful to you here in this world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Final hymns number 290, Hail the Day That Sees Him Arise.
Please be seated, and good morning to you all, um, and uh, especially to some unfamiliar faces that I see this morning. Um, so welcome, and uh, it's great to see everybody. Um, the first thing I wanted to mention, which is not uh, in your uh, bulletin, but just as a, I guess, an update on one of the uh, sons of the congregation, but uh, last weekend you may have noticed uh, Elder Kelly's absence, and that is because Hunter Kelly uh, was being ordained as a deacon um, at uh, Redeemer in, uh, in Midtown Detroit. So um, at least I was encouraged uh, by that and wanted to, not my news to share, I guess, but wanted to pass that on just as far as um, the life of our congregation, that, uh, that some of our... Um, it's always good to see when our, uh, our, our young people are going out and uh, carrying on the, um, the, the ministry that, uh, that many of you spent many years uh, pouring into him and others. So uh, a good announcement there. Um, the other big thing, of course, is that uh, today we'll be having our first uh, congregational conversation, we're calling it, which sounds a little bit NPR-ish for me, but um, for lack of a better terminology... Um, so, but the idea here is that uh, as we, when we, when we kind of did our, our household by household survey of, um, in terms of looking at the future of the congregation, there was definitely a sense that um, that the session got that there there is um, to to steal the theme of the sermon. There's sort of a homeness here that is not necessarily transferable to to necess- uh, another church with um, a similar label or, or perhaps a similar. Um, uh, demographics or something. So, um, what we want to do is is take some time today and in in other future days to sort of define what that is. Um, who who are we? What's at that core of of what we collectively um, believe that that God has made us and uh, and to try to try to verbalize that and try to put that in a way so that as we look into the future of the congregation and particularly future leadership of the congregation um, that we have a sense of here's here's what we're really you know here's the cornerstone that um, that we see as uh, essential to to this being home so um, anyway so if we're going to um, we will have our usual fellowship time and then meet back in here. Uh, but in lieu of Christian Ed, we'll be having those conversations. Um, one way you can really help me is if the, I, I think I have a, a list of everybody who's here at the moment, but um, if you're not planning to stick around for that conversation, which is fine, um, but if you're not, if you could let me know so that I don't, uh, we're, we're going to try to break us into kind of pods where it'll be easier for everybody to have a voice and maybe get some different kind of combinations of people. So if you're not planning on staying for the conversation, uh, please let me know um, after I'm done uh, filibustering, and um, you can uh, that'll that'll just help us plan that. Um, that's all. Other than um, the resumption of Christian Ed next week um, with Gentle and Lowly, Chapter Eight ish, um, Nine and Ten ish, maybe. Um, so anyway, if you have uh, put put that book on the uh, on the nightstand for the past couple of weeks, um, then uh, Maybe maybe pull that back out and uh, be prepared for next week. Um, are there any other announcements? Yes, Senior Guzman. All right, sounds good. So uh, I guess I don't need to pass that on since it involves only those present in the room. Um, any other announcements from the floor? Yes. Uh, the women's prayer next month is going to be the third 
road trip to Joyce's Cottage, so if anybody's interested, let us know so we can carpool and have lunch up there. Excellent. So passing that on for anybody who is uh, streaming with us, next month's Women's Prayer uh, will be the third Thursday and will be a road trip um, to Joyce's Cottage. So for more information, um, I guess get in touch with Deneen or Joyce, presumably could answer questions. Did I see another hand flicker? Yes, please. All right. Um, prayers, uh, prayers requested uh, by Mrs. Hannum for um, Vicky, a friend of hers who's having triple bypass surgery tomorrow. Anyone else? All right. Well, then, have a cup of coffee and put your thinking caps on. And, um, again, if you're not going to stick around, just let me know um, so I can arrange groups. Thank you.